This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to continue, yes, continue Mark chapter 1, and we will not finish today, um, but um, we're going to be looking at verses 16 through 20, but before we get started, um, we got Shelby with us again tonight, and Mary Gamboa from marygamboamusic.com. If you want to check out her uh, album, Jealous, or you can stream it anywhere you stream music uh, on your phone. But why don't you uh, pray for us as we get started? Yeah. Thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes to your word. Um, give us wisdom and revelation, knowledge and understanding, discernment um, to know you more intimately. That's our desire. Is that as we read this word, we would rightly divide the word of truth so that we are workmen and not ashamed. But thank you for um, making it come alive in our hearts, Holy Spirit. Have your way in us so that we can be doers of the word and not hearers only. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so you said something in your prayer. That we're, that's what we're going to be talking about today. You said we want to know you more intimately. Mm. And, and that's exactly what um, happens with these two examples that we're going to discuss, um, Peter and Andrew, two brothers, and James and John, two brothers. Because this is the part where um, Jesus is calling. I always, I always say he, he went around handpicking his, his 12 disciples. And, um, and they were very intimate with Jesus. When we uh, look at John chapter 1, and Jesus, uh, John is saying, Theomai, uh, he said, we, you know, Jesus tabernacle, he dwelt among them. He, and he says, we, we Theomai him, which is where we get our word for theater. Uh, and he said, we, we could reach, Jesus was tangible. He was God in the flesh and he was tangible. We ate fish with him. We drank wine with him. We, you know, we had conversations with him. We could reach out and touch him. We could hug him. We could shake his hand, you know. He burped, he farted, he did all this stuff that we don't think about, but he was, he, he was a, a real dude. And, and, and that's what, um, by the time we get to the end of this podcast, this is what I want people to understand is that God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they, want, they desire intimacy with us. Mm -hmm. They desire, that's why God says, uh, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Draw close to me and I will draw close to you. He dwells inside of us. And he wants that intimacy. And that's what we see here. In, in verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, it says, One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he sees Simon, and, and Simon, that's Peter, and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. So they got this commercial fishing business going on. Right? It's their job. It's their way to pay bills. It's the way they provided for their families. And we know from Scripture that Peter was married. We don't know if he had children or not. It doesn't say. But we know that he had a mother-in-law because Jesus heals her of a fever. So we know that he was married. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and back then they had extended families. And so, you know, family, they lived together. So this is their way of making a living to pay their bills and, and, and their taxes and, and provide for their families. And verse 17, it says, Jesus calls out to, to Peter and Andrew while they're, they're out there fishing in their boat. He says, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. Um, so it, it, it's safe to say that, because um, I, I used to say in my sermons in the past that, you know, this stranger just walks up and says, hey, follow me. But... Studying it a little deeper and, and, and going back to what uh, uh, Mark says uh, back in earlier in the chapter when Jesus was going around Galilee preaching about the kingdom of God. 
word has already spread about Jesus, right? So more than likely, they have already heard about Jesus. I don't know if they have met Jesus at this point. I don't, I don't think it says anywhere in the scriptures. We don't have all those details. But I'm, I'm assuming here that they've already heard about Jesus. They've heard about this rabbi that's teaching with authority. Uh, he hasn't started working miracles yet because he, his first miracle is not until John chapter 2 when he turns water into wine. And that miracle was to show his disciples that he is who he says he is. That he is the Messiah. That he is from God. And it opened their eyes. Like when he turned up water into wine, it, 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 it opened their eyes. They, they actually um, were convinced that he is uh, who he says he is. Uh, in, in John chapter 2 verse 11 it says, What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. They believed in him. Um, and so... As I, I've been studying this deeper and deeper, it's not that, that Jesus was some stranger to them, although they may have, they haven't they don't know him intimately yet. They've heard about him, they know about him, they they know that there's some rabbi out there, there's some guy there because they've heard John the Baptist remember mm -hmm. uh, preaching that repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, and John the Baptist is hollering out, "Here comes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world," and the, and and so you know this is. God has been silent for over 400 years at this point when John the Baptist started his ministry, right? And Jesus is 30 years old when he's baptized by John. And he kicks off his ministry. John gets out of the way. He's beheaded and, and uh, he's in prison before he's beheaded. And then Jesus takes over. And John says, he must increase, I must decrease. And so they've heard about Jesus. And, and what I want to get to in this podcast is there's a lot of people, even in our churches today, who know about Jesus. They claim to follow Jesus. They claim to, to, to love Jesus. But they don't really know him. Mm -hmm. Like, I know Shelby. I don't even know what your favorite color is. Right? I, I know you can, I know you play guitars and other instruments. I know you know about music. Um... I know you're you're pretty cool, <laughs> oh, and uh, like today you got an engraver, so you you like you got all these hobbies. So, it, it, so I know some things about you, but I don't really know you. But if, the more I spend time with you, and ask questions, like you cook, like you cook mm -hmm. supper tonight, and you you know you got me liking zucchini, which is crazy. Yeah. But the more I spend time with you, um, the more I get to know you. And the more our, our relationship, friendship gets stronger, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of people sitting in churches today who, who say they have a relationship with Jesus, but they don't really know Jesus. Mm -hmm. A lot of people can't even open up their Bible and find a scripture, you know, that, that you know, it's very important. Mm -hmm. um, they don't know anything about Jesus. They just say, well, I want my sins to be forgiven. I want to go to heaven. And that's, that's their Jesus. He's a savior, but he's not Lord. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. What's that scripture that you always say, depart from me, I didn't know you? Like what he talks about. Yeah, it's in the Sermon of the Mount. I think um, it's many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we cast out demons? Didn't we heal the mm -hmm. sick? Didn't we yet depart from me? I didn't. For I, I didn't know you. Yeah. That's a very sobering scripture, right? I always say, it's, to me, it's the scariest verse in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Because these people think they had a relationship with Jesus. They did all this stuff in the name of Jesus, and they never knew. Right. Which means they didn't have a relationship with They were not, if I'm not mistaken, that word, they never, when Jesus says, I never knew you, if I'm not mistaken, that word in the Greek, I have to go back and study it, but I'm pretty sure that it means I was never intimate with you. Mm -hmm. we, we didn't have that kind of relationship. Right, and even the, the parable of the ten virgins, you know, there were five foolish and five wise. They, um, they all had lamps, and they all had oil, right? They all had ministries of some sort, and they knew the Lord. They were all expecting him to come, but only five had extra oil. And 
and to those who had to leave to go buy oil, had, they had to go cultivate some intimacy with the Lord. When, when they returned, the door was shut and it was too late. And that's, yeah, those, those scriptures are some of the most frightening in the word. Yeah. Yeah. And when you were talking about that, I was thinking about the demons. Dogs beating on the door. Uh, I was thinking about even, you know, the demons even know Jesus. You know, they, they, they at least fear and tremble. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, going back to, to what we are saying, that, that our desire is for people to be intimate, to really know Jesus, to, to walk with Jesus on a daily basis. Right. So... Coming back to, to Peter and Andrew, Jesus throwing out this invitation. He says, come follow me. I'll make you fishermen of people. And they left their nets. There's no, no hesitancy. There was no having to think mm-hmm. about or anything. They, it says they left their nets immediately and they followed Jesus. So I just want to bring out something that, that, that a lot of people don't think about because um, they, they, they literally left everything here. They, they, I don't know how old they are at this. It, it, I'm sure they're young men. They're probably in their early 20s, maybe mid-20s, somewhere-ish in there, I'm thinking. Um, but not only did they, they, they left their, their, their way of life, this is what they've known their whole life. They're, uh, they're fishermen, they're commercial fishermen. But they, they left their business, their way of making money. They, they left their nets, how they made their money. They leave their boat behind, very, you know, very expensive. It's all they have. It's all what they know. They, they leave, they've been fishing all day, so they probably had a, a catch on that boat, which means they're, they're leaving money behind. Um, so they, they're leaving their way of paying bills. They're leaving their way of taking care of their family. They're leaving their tackle behind. They literally left everything that they know everything they've done, their way of life. They get up every morning, they go to the, to the Sea of Galilee and fish. They fish all day long, they clean their nets, and then they, you know, they go home to their families. It's their daily lives. And, and Jesus throws out this invitation, and it's totally different than what they're used to. And at one point, when Jesus sends them out two by two, he says, I don't even want you to take an extra coat. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't take any money with you. Don't take anything with you. You just go into the villages. That, that's a foreign concept to them and to us. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people think, well, you know, uh, you know, I want to do this for God, but first let me, I got to save up some money. Or I, I you know, I, I've got to do this, I got to do that. I, I want to have a little nest egg. You know, I want to raise my children first or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus is saying, no, I want, I want you to follow me. I want you to give it all up. Leave it all behind to follow me because I want to be first. And the question I want to ask, and you, you asked this a while ago, um, uh, something similar to it. The question I have is, what are we clinging to that keeps us from fully following Jesus? And, and what did you ask uh, something um, before we started the podcast? What was the question? How did you, how'd you word it about following Jesus? You said, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Yeah. Like that. How would you define what does it mean to follow Christ? Yeah. So what does it mean to follow Christ today? Because, if, I mean, you, you just think about people today, you know, we have full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. Some have multiple jobs, two to three jobs. Um, people come to, you know, we're joking around before we started the podcast about my sister-in-law calls them SMOs, Sunday morning onlys. You know, even though we have home groups, we what we call them tribes at Authentic Church, 322 Lindsay Drive in Alcoa, Tennessee. Come see us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and worship with us. <laughs> but we have, you know, we have tribes, we have the small groups, we have Jesus Dudes on Friday. Uh, we have the youth groups on, on, every other Wednesday. Um, we have a lot of stuff going on. We have worship practice going on. We, we have uh, all these home Bible studies. We have all this stuff going on, but yet there's, people say, I, I follow Jesus, but they're not involved in anything. Mm-hmm. But yet they, 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 you mentioned this a few weeks ago in, uh, in one of our discussions about how, you know, we go to football games on Friday nights 
or our Saturdays, you know, the college football, and we're yelling and screaming for our team, but yet when we go to church on Sunday morning, we sit there like a knot on the log, twiddling our thumbs, you know, waiting, you know, wondering what we're having for lunch. Because we're not excited about Jesus. And why is that? It's because we're not fully sold in, we're, or not, we're not fully sold out for Jesus. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. He's just he's just another person. He's he's just a comrade. He's an acquaintance. Mm -hmm. We're not intimate. Right. My footnote on that. Come follow me. Says the the call to discipleship is definite. And demands a response of total commitment. It, this also says this was not Jesus's first encounter with Simon and Andrew, but you know this call to discipleship is not just when it's convenient for you. It's not just when it feels good. It's not just when the weather's right. <laughs> you know he is asking for. A definite commitment mm -hmm. to to follow after him to walk with him to know him intimately and um, it's supposed to be everything that we are in him we live and move and have our being that's what it means to follow Christ um, what does that look like in our culture today you know as I pray in the mornings before I'm going to work, I'm like, Lord, fill me and set up divine appointments for me today to be able to speak life to other people, to be able to pray with others, to, um, to be able to point somebody to your word. And, you know, does it happen every day? Not necessarily, but more days than not, you know, and, and God has grown me over the years to take advantage of those opportunities um, wherever they present themselves to to speak his word to be an encourager to to be one who testified come meet the son of the son of god mm. you know come we, we found the messiah you know can i tell you about this amazing god um, and, and none of us do it perfectly but it means that we're, we're walking with him in intimacy, that we're talking with him, that we're reading his word, we're ingesting it, that we are developing a relationship with him where we know his voice, we understand his nudgings, where we respond in obedience because we don't want to grieve his heart. Not because we're afraid of the consequence necessarily, but because we want to please. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is that being intimate with some, okay, just take Jesus out of the equation for a second. If you want to be intimate with somebody, that means you've got, you've got to spend time with somebody. Right. There's got to be time. There's got to be communication. Right. And that. And not just time, but quality time. Mm -hmm. Because I tell you all the time, I can sit with you and watch paint dry. That's not really being intimate, but at the same time, it creates intimacy. Um, and and just take a husband and wife for instance. You know, if they if they if they don't spend quality time, you, you, like I was listening to a podcast. Um, I was telling you about this. Uh, I think it was Monday. It might have been yesterday when it, um, or maybe it was Saturday. But anyway, they, it, they were talking about how the husband and wife they if they've been married twenty or thirty years, they need to keep on dating, do the things that they were doing when they were dating, because a lot you know you see that dis disappear in a lot of mar people's marriages and. You know, then they wonder why their marriage is so bad. It's because they, they quit doing all that stuff. Right. They, they well, and Jesus says that to the, the church in Revelation, right? He says, do the things you did at first. Yeah. You have lost your, your first, first love. love. Yeah. Return. You know, um, there are things that we do, right, in, in relationships to pursue one another. And woe to us if that disappears. Yeah. In any relationship, but particularly in our relationship with the Lord. Yeah, and and, and that's the key. That, that's if, if there's not that quality time between a husband and wife, their their relationship's not going to be intimate. You know, they may have sex every now and then because they're a married couple, but they're they're not intimate. Right. And that's what Jesus, what you were saying a while ago, and or what you brought up uh, uh, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, 
depart from me, I never knew you. We were never intimate. We never had a deep relationship because you didn't spend any time with me. You didn't read my word. You didn't pray on a daily basis. I mean, when Jesus said in the, in, in the, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount there at the beginning, he says, you know, you go to your secret place, get in the closet, shut the door, and spend quality time with the Father. You know, not with the radio blaring or the TV blaring or the kids running around. No, you, you, you got to get, it's one-on-one -on -one time. You know, whether that's in your car, or, uh, you know, on the way to work, or, uh, you know, like me, my prayer time is driving from Maryville to Sevierville. It's a 45-minute trip, and it's my quiet time uh, with the Lord. And then, you know, studying for these podcasts and stuff, I'm, I'm constantly in the Word. But I've been reading the Word since I was in the third grade. So, but do I do it, you know, enough probably not but um there is there things that i need to work on absolutely but um but like today i'm working on a song i woke up i told i, I texted you sunday morning I, i'm like i woke up with a song this morning to me that's being intimate with, with the lord he gave me a song i'm typing it out i'm working on the the chords and the chord progression you guys are helping me with it but to me to me that's part of being intimate with, with the lord mm -hmm. Because if I wasn't intimate with the Lord, I don't think he would give me a new song. Or you, or whoever, you, or whatever. But, but when, when, when we spend quality time and we're intimate with Jesus, he shows us stuff. He, in my opinion, he reveals stuff and, and um, things like that. Mm -hmm. But there again, if, we're, if we don't do that, the negative part of that is we don't know him. We don't know anything about him. We just, oh yeah, he casts out demons and he heals people and he teaches stuff. But a lot of people would see it as, well, he's just a rule maker and I don't want a bunch of rules in my life. And that's not what he's all about at all. It's a love story. Right. Agape love, unconditional love. So, anything else you want to add before we move on? I don't think so. In Luke 9, 23 through 26, Jesus says this. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, that's what a disciple is, a follower. You must deny yourself, take up your cross daily. Right? Cross is death. Death is a separation. We're separating our lives to put Christ on, to do his will, right? So it has to be a death. We see that in, in baptism, the watery grave. In Romans 6, Paul says, when you're baptized, you're put in the watery grave, you come up out of the the water and new creation. Your old man's buried, you come up a new creation in Christ, right? Hallelujah. Right. So whoever wants to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self or their soul? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Well, who is Jesus going to be ashamed of? The ones he wasn't intimate with. Because he don't know. Because we don't know him. Because we didn't spend time with him. He was an acquaintance. We, we you know, we, we went to church on Sunday morning and, and we listened to a preacher preach and, you know, some lady up there singing some worship songs and we tapped our toe a little bit to the, to the beat. And that's the extent of a, a lot of people in our, not, not just worldly people, but people that are sitting in our churches today. That's, that's the extent of their relationship with Jesus. And we wonder why our churches are so weak. I, I heard a statistic years ago. I think it was B.J. Kennedy. He said, as many as 80%, or as much as 80% of people sitting in church every Sunday are not saved. 80%. That's huge. Now, I, I don't know how recent that statistic is, but it's a frightening thought to consider real, that many people who are coming to church on a regular basis are not saved. That they I, don't I, know what it means I to really it. have intimacy with the Lord. I can see that. Okay, so that's frightening. Okay, so the other part of that is, what are we preaching? Yeah. Why, why could someone sit in church for years and not know Jesus? Yeah. What are, what is being taught from the pulpit that somebody would feel okay about doing that? 
you know, um, because I, I know in my walk with the Lord, there are times that I hear a message and I am convicted, you know, cut to the heart by what I heard. Right. And like, oh my gosh, I really need to, Lord, work on this area of me, you know. Um, and what are, what are we preaching that, that there's not a gospel of the kingdom, a gospel of its total commitment? to follow after him. Well, let me add to your statistic. When I was in Bible college, uh, one of my professors shared a statistic with us that said less than 3% of Christians have ever shared their faith with someone and converted somebody to Jesus. Less than 3%. I wonder if that's an American statistic. Probably is. Probably is. Right. Some of these statistics may may vary. Because their American churches are weak. Other places in, they're weak. in the world. That's why they're dying and shutting their doors left and right. But why, why would it be less than 3% of the people or Christians who claim to love Jesus and follow Jesus, why would only 3% share their faith and convert and, and tell people about Jesus and, and convert somebody to Jesus? It's because he's just an acquaintance. Right. He's not the lover of our soul. He's just some dude that we, you know, get our ears tickled on Sunday morning and sing about and tap our toes to for I know one of one of the other frightening scriptures um, we've talked about several times is where it says that those that would have the form of godliness but deny his power. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a form of godliness that, and and I think that that even makes reference to a church, a congregation, where where things look like. We're good. It looks like we're godly. It looks like we have some facade. sort of relationship. It's a facade. Right. But that's all it is. It denies the power of God being manifest in that group of people. And Lord, I don't want to be one of those. <laughs> I want to uh, have the form of godliness, but also walk in the power. But you do that. I, we know that. These people that listen to the podcast, I don't know that, but... They don't know that you have a prayer journal. They don't know that you're praying all the time. They don't know that that you're searching the scriptures daily. And you do talk to people daily. You pray for people at the shop. But that's our that's our desire as believers, right? That we It would, should be our desire. That we right, that we would love the Lord and I quote this one lots as well, just that we would provoke each other unto love and good works. Mm-hmm. Not just loving each other, but provoke each other man i've heard people pray the paint off some walls you know and i'm like oh lord i want to i want to learn to pray like that you know or people who worship the lord with just such fervor that i'm like oh can because i have some intimate. of that lord because you know intimate. exactly He's and it's everything. it's nobody nobody else knows the cost of, of what they have poured into that relationship. And we just get to see a little glimpse of it on the outside. But it's glorious when, when you do see that. Hopefully that provokes me to go deeper. Yeah. To say I'm not satisfied with a casual acquaintance. I want to know him more intimately myself. Yeah. Um. In the context of worry, and, and you know, people worry a lot. Well, why do they worry a lot? They have a lot of anxiety. And I'm not saying there's legit reasons for that sometimes, about having anxiety and stuff like that. But in the context, when Jesus is saying, hey, don't worry about this stuff, God's going to take care of you. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, seek the kingdom, this is a New Living Translation, seek the kingdom of God above all else, above everything else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. We either believe that or we don't. But the NIV version, uh, non-inspired version, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first the kingdom of God. And uh, you think about the hours that we put in our jobs. Some people work, like I said, multiple jobs. Some people put in 60, 70, 80 hours a week, you know, and they neglect their family for their work, you know. Well, I gotta make money. Well, you know, don't try to keep up with the Joneses. You might have to work so much. You know, don't get so much in debt that you have to work so much. Why? Because that that's become your God now. Mm-hmm. That's first place in your life. 
But even just cut it down to 40 hours a week. If we're giving 40 hours a week to our job, how, I mean, how much time do we spend with God? I bet it's not 40. But Abraham gave him tithes of all. Not just financial resources. No, he paid tithes of everything. What if we were to give the Lord a tenth of our time? Yeah, just a tenth. Mm-hmm of our time, of our money, of our resources, of our gifts, our talents. Because mm-hmm. they didn't just tithe money, they tithe right. everything. Where your heart is, there your treasure is also. Wine, their meals, their right. fruits, their vegetables. But what we tend to do in, in the American churches is give as little as possible. What, what can I get away with and still get by? So what is the cost of following Jesus? Um, and later on in Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62, it says that, uh, as they were, Luke says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, talking to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. And he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, so he's throwing out these invitations, these people, right? The guy replies, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now that sounds harsh, but, but Jesus' point is, you got to put the kingdom first. You got to put me first. Still another said, this is a third example Jesus gives, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back home and say goodbye to my family. That's legit, right? Mm-hmm. We love our families. For the most part, people love their families. And Jesus says, no, no, don't go home and say goodbye to your family because nobody that puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. That sounds harsh. But Jesus is saying, look, I'm throwing out this invitation to you. I got to be first. Mm-hmm. Am I more important than your family? Am I more important than your kids? And what happens is we, these things that we put before Jesus, these things we put before serving God, they become idols. Mm-hmm. And one of the first commandments and by the way, nine out of the ten are report, repeated in the New Testament commandment. And one of the ten commandments is, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. No idols. Because God says, I'm a jealous God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Yeah. And love your neighbor as yourself. But do we do that? I'm going to say no. A lot of us don't. And I can do better. A lot of things better. This is what provoked the song on my album, Me First, you know, Mm -hmm. was really I wanted to combine the the Great Commission and the Greatest Commandment. You know, what is the Greatest Commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the Great Commission is go and make disciples, right? Here are all these things. These are the directives of Jesus to his disciples. Heal the sick, raise the dead, you know, go preach the gospel to to all creation, right? Um, And so that song is all the things that Jesus has said to his disciples, but love me first. It's all got to be born out of that relationship with him. Because if it's just teaching rules, Rules without relationship equals rebellion, yeah. right? If it's just teaching rules or form of godliness, then it's powerless. Yeah. But if it's born out of a relationship, let me tell you about this God that I know. Then there's power in that. Right. And he will back it up. And we see that with Paul when he was traveling around and starting. That, that's exactly what, you know, he, he knew what radical transformation that God made in his life. He was killing people. He was, you know, a Pharisee of all Pharisees, and he's going around ripping people from their homes and throwing them in prison where they would be tortured or, you know, persecuted or killed. And he's thinking he's doing God a favor. And then he has that encounter with Jesus. Jesus radically changes his life, and and look what he does. He has this deep relationship, this intimacy with with Jesus. And, and, And out of that intimate relationship, he's just, 
everywhere he goes, he just he can't help. What does he say? I'm compelled. I'm controlled by the, the love, love of, of Christ. The love of Christ compels me. It controls. That's why, that's why I do what I do. And 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 my question is, how can we see and know and and experience the agape love of Christ, unconditional love, and yet just sit on it? How can it not? Um, motivate us to love and good works, to, to love our neighbor. Yeah. Just a thought. So we see this con the same concept with Peter and Andrew. We see the same thing with James and John in verses 19 and 20. When Mark says, a little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's son, James and John, the sons of thunder, Jesus called, in a boat, and they're repairing their nets, and he called them at once. And they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. So James and John's, uh, they're also commercial fishermen, probably a bigger operation because Mark points out that they have hired servants. And um, what, when I was uh, making my notes for, for, for this podcast, um, I got to thinking about how they, they, they kind of like Peter and Andrew did. They've left their thing behind. They left their tackle behind. But, but theirs is a little deeper than Peter and Andrew's. Because Peter and Andrew, it seems like they were the only two on that boat, maybe, as far as we know, because Mark doesn't give any more details about them. So they just leave their, their business behind. But James and John, Mark points out that they, they left their family behind, their dad on the boat. They left hired servants on the boat. And I got to think about this. You know, did Zebedee say, boys, what are you doing? This is not a good business decision. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had this family business, you know, ever since I was little. My grandma and grandpa, my grandpa had this business, you know, maybe whatever. We don't know that for sure. It doesn't say it in the scripture. I'm just saying. But this is what they've known. And they're, now they're leaving their dad and they're leaving all these hired servants behind. And I couldn't help but think, you know, did, did, did they try to talk them out of it? Mm -hmm. This is not, you know, and, and this is what you know. We as parents do. We want to see our children prosper. We we don't want to see them make dumb decisions. So we we try to steer them, you know, because give them some wise counsel. Yeah, give them some wise counsel. This dude shows up out of nowhere and says, "Hey, leave everything behind and follow me." By the way, I don't even have a home. I have nothing. I'm a nomad. I'm a homeless dude. I don't have a place to lay my head. Follow me. <laughs> Let's go. You're gonna be persecuted. You're you're, you're you know you're you're gonna be beaten. You you know your head's gonna be chopped off. You're gonna be boiled and all. But hey, follow me. He didn't tell them all that part at, at the right. beginning, but he's telling them to leave everything behind to follow him, and they don't even know where he's going. They've heard about him, I'm sure, because of the you know he's been in this region for a little while, and and he's been preaching with authority about the kingdom of God. John the Baptist has pointed him out. And so they know a little bit about him, but it makes no sense. This is not a good business decision on their part. How, how can they take care of their loved ones if they're leave, they're quitting their job for a homeless guy, literally a homeless guy who travels around preaching? They don't know for sure that he's right. He it does, it doesn't make sense on the outside. No, it makes no sense whatsoever. And so my question is, did they try to talk him out of it? We don't know for sure because it doesn't say it. And, and I told y'all before we got started about a story. When I had the teen center in, uh, in this little town in North Carolina, uh, you know, had the skateboard ramps and stuff, had the, you know, the little skate shop and stuff, and uh, had all these teenagers come and, and, and we would do devotionals with them, you know, and feed them and things like that. And this thing just got to growing and growing and growing. And some of the teenagers started giving their life to Jesus. And I had this one teenager that wanted to give his life to Christ, and his aunt found out about it and talked him out of it. I mean, she, I was standing right there, and she literally talked about, you need to think about this decision. you got to give up this, and you got to give up that, and you got to quit doing this, because he did some bad things and drugs and alcohol. I mean, he was underage, but, but, but it, 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 it's, I, she talked him out of it. And so my, my point in, tell, in saying this is, just be careful who you listen to. Mm -hmm. Be careful. If, if the Spirit of God is calling your name, 
and he, he's throwing out this invitation. And, and we know God, uh, the book of Acts, I think it's chapter 16, verse 20. I may have the, the verse wrong. But it says God, it may be 22, 16. But God calls all men everywhere to repent. The invitation, whosoever will, mm -hmm. let him come. Whosoever will, let him drink of this, the water of life freely. Over and over again, whosoever will. So the invitation is already thrown out there. Mm -hmm. All men, all women, anybody can, can have their sins washed away in the, in the blood of Christ and, and put the kingdom of God first and have this intimate relationship uh, with Jesus, but, but not all accept that invitation. But the people who want to accept Christ and follow Christ, why would anybody want to talk them out of it? But yet, it happens. It happens all the time. Um, my point, like I said, is be careful who you listen to and, and what you allow people to speak in your life. Mm -hmm. Proverbs eighteen twenty one: death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life. Except, you know, you're either causing death or you're causing life. Well, you know, I haven't killed anybody. Well, you, you might have by the power of your tongue. Speak, speak life. Speak right. life, yeah. Um, I even, I remember texting you one time. I said, I just want to speak life into you this morning. And now, throw out some Bible verses to you and pray for you mm -hmm. through text. Speaking life. Good stuff. James 3, 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And we're not perfect. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by the small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself, the tongue, is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. We're all made in the image of God. But, you know, the, the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. Mm -hmm. That's crap. Because words hurt, <laughs> and they hurt deeply, and for a long time. Uh, and that's why that's what James is saying here: the power of the tongue. We can speak life, or we can speak death. Mm -hmm. Blessing or cursing. Blessing or cursing. With our tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, so he's writing to to, to believers, those who follow Jesus. This should never be. Uh, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? No. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? No. Or grapevine bear figs? No. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Um, so we have to be careful how we speak to people, what we speak to people. But we also need to be careful what we hear and listen from people. Kind of like what we're talking about on Sunday mornings with Pastor James in, in this book by Craig Rochelle. Uh, what is it called? The War? Winning the War. Winning the War in Your Mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because, you know, even from our childhood, people, um, our parents, not me, not knowing, to, being to, but they, they speak all this negative and all the, these lies into, our, you know, you'll never amount to anything. You're, you'll never be worth anything. You know, you, you have no value. Um, but that's all lies. So we take those lies. And we line it up with the Word of God, and then uh, then we take the truth of God's Word and what God tells about us, and we replace those lies with God's truth. You are loved. You are valued. You are treasured. You are worth. You know, you are bought with a price. You know, I die for you. I, I, I God faith love you. I love you unconditionally. I'll never leave you. Never say all these promises, right? And and so you. We have to watch how we speak to people, and if we have an intimate relationship with Jesus, as we should, I don't think we have to worry about this. I, I think it, that 
what, like what we say all the time, you ooze Jesus. I ooze Jesus. And he just pours out because we spend so much time in prayer. We spend so much time reading the word. We're, we're at church or however you want to say that. We're, we're meeting with the body of Christ and we're worshiping and, and praising the Lord and listening to the scriptures being preached. You know, we're constantly just in connection with Jesus. Well, what you, what you put in will flow out of you. Yeah. Right? Just like you can't get um, fresh water out of, out of a salt water source. You know, but if you're putting this into you, it will flow out of you as well. Um, yeah, I remember a, a lady, um, Rachel Birchfield, said, you put God's word into you when you don't need it, so it's there when you do need it. You know, um, and and it's it's absolutely true. You know, we we feast on this on a regular basis so that we stay nourished, and hopefully, God opens up opportunities for us to speak that life and encouragement into others yeah. if we'll be bold enough to to do it right, right. Um, to pray with people to encourage them to follow Jesus. Um, and, and so. Going back to where we started the podcast, it's all about in, being intimate. Mm -hmm. It's how much time do we spend with Jesus? Those who want to be my disciple, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me daily. Mm -hmm. It's a daily relationship. It's spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer, um, spending time in worship. Fellowshipping with others. That's what, yeah, that's what, that's what I was going to say. And so we see this with James and John. We see this with Peter and Andrew. They, they leave everything behind. They give everything up, um, including their family. I have decided I'll love Jesus. Yeah. Don't none go with me. Mm -hmm. I still will follow. Don't turn him back. Mm -hmm. Don't turn him back. Didn't make any sense for them to leave their family business, to leave it all behind, the way of living. How am I going to pay bills? And there was a concern. They were they were totally focused on Jesus and his ministry, especially when they saw that water turn into wine. Whoa! This is the Messiah that we've waited. Yeah, that's what we've uh, waited uh, hundreds of years for. That's what Philip told Nathaniel. Come and see. That's what's on your back glass on your on your car. Come and see. See what? This man from Nazareth. What good can come from Nazareth? The Messiah. Yeah, we, we found the Messiah. Come and see. And and it it, it just doesn't, you know, like we, we have somebody authentic right now that has literally given up everything mm -hmm. to do this. He, he's like a modern day Peter and Andrew, James and John. And even I'm scratching my head saying, what, what, what's he doing here? Is this a smart thing? But hey, it, it's what we, it's literally what we see right here. Um, it just don't make sense. But in the end, it's gonna make complete sense. Because Jesus says, you give up everything for me, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna have it all. <laughs> you're gonna have heaven. Not that that's our, that's what, you know, we're not doing it to get something from God. We, we do wanna go to heaven, we do want salvation. We don't, but we desire a relationship to be intimate. With, with him. Yeah. And, and because we do that, then we are blessed. We do you know, receive a crown of life. Yeah. 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 So, hear the invitation. The invitation's been sent even as you know we speak in this podcast and accept the invitation to Come, follow Christ. follow me. Yeah. And, and don't let Jesus be an acquaintance, but he desired intimacy. Mm -hmm. and, if, and if you are following Jesus and you're not intimate with Jesus, it's been a long time since you opened your Bibles, dust off those leather covers and get in the Word. Well, God never speaks to me. When's the last time you cracked open your Bible? You might hear from Him if you'd open it up. Amen. And just sit and listen and have a conversation with Him on the daily. While you're having your cup of coffee or your sweet tea. It's as simple as that.
and you'd be amazed at how what things he'll do. Anyway, let's pray. Father, we thank you for our opportunity to uh, to study your word. Thank you that we could be intimate with you. Thank you that you have passed your word on to us that we can crack that thing open and, and read and, and to hear your voice and and to hear that invitation to, to, to that you desire intimacy, that you desire fellowship, the koinonia with us. Thank you that you dwelt among us, that you did tabernacle among us, that, that John said that they saw you, they could literally reach out and touch you, shake your hand, and, and to eat and drink with you and have conversations. Thankful that we're able to have conversations with you, that we can boldly come before your throne of grace, as the book of Hebrews tells us, and that's what we're doing in prayer tonight. We pray for the people that, who listen to this podcast, who sit in churches every week, every Sunday after Sunday, Lord, but they don't know you in an intimate way. We just pray that, uh, that you would rekindle their hearts, Lord, that your spirit would just draw them close to you, that they would, that you would just become large in their life, and that they would desire that intimacy with you. And out of that intimacy, Lord, that, that you would just flow through them into other people's lives, that they would just ooze Jesus, and that they would make a difference in, in their families, to their children, uh, where they work, in their communities, that, that you would just shine a light through them. Thank you, Lord, that, that you never give up on us, that you are long-suffering toward us, you are patient with us. Thank you that you have saved us, you have redeemed us, you have called us by our name, that you know every hair on our head. That's how intimate you want to be with us. And we just thank you for those opportunities. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Anything you want to add before you? Keep grinding. Keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grounded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grounded Podcast with a friend. God bless you and remember, keep grinding.